This last year, the desire to help other people out has been stronger than ever. Charities reported a threefold increase in people wanting to volunteer for them at the start of the COVID-19 crisis. Maybe the pandemic has awakened within us the need to connect in a more meaningful way than just a like or a message on social media. It's Volunteer Week this week, and someone who's been donating a lot of his time for most of his life is Ken Anton, one of our colleagues. For decades, he's been presenting shows on hospital radio and giving young people their first experience in an industry that's notoriously hard to get into. I'm Dominic Laurie, and I spoke to him on Walking the Walk about why he spends so much of his time volunteering. Ken, thank you so much for for coming on to Walking the Walk. Um, a fellow former, I'm a former radio presenter. You're a current radio presenter. You, I'd say, almost you have two jobs in some ways, or two lives. I mean, a lot lot of us dedicate so much energy to our day job um, that we kind of forget to do other things outside it. But you have this whole other this whole other world of volunteering in radio, creating and producing radio. Do you, do you feel do you feel you have two do you feel you have two lives in some ways? Um, yes, very much so. Um, it's something that's been a lifelong passion for me. Uh, hospital radio uh, started at an early age. I was seventeen, still at high school, and I read an article in the local newspaper saying that the hospital radio station in Dundee, my hometown, um, at that time was desperately looking for new members to keep the station going. Uh, there was an open night. Go up and find out all about it. And I did, and um, some people say I never really went home again afterwards. Um, and uh, so I've continued my volunteering with Hospital Radio right throughout my uh, adult life, I suppose. You're talking to me, I mean, the technology is obviously a a big part of it for you, because most people, I'll spill the secrets, most people I do interviews with, they have an iPhone in a sock. Um, because it's in a sock because it stops the crunching and it makes, you know, you don't get all of that stuff. You, on the other hand, you're behind a massively professional microphone on the other side of my laptop, I can see. How much of it is that sort of joy of having that studio in your home and the technology and mastering all of that? Oh, yes. Well, I I am a techie at heart. I I studied electronics, uh, went into a career with software. Um, Yeah, I I do enjoy the technical side. And... uh, Despite the fact that I no longer live in Dundee, I still maintain all the IT uh, side of the equipment for Bridge FM, uh, which is the current name for the hospital radio station in Dundee. And I do some IT support for Northern Air in Manchester as well. How, how are you a remote IT guy for a hospital 300 miles to the north? Well, we, we have all the equipment in a, in, in a room. I have a remote connection across the internet. And uh, as long as I can get somebody to go in and push the big red button if one of the computers needs physically restarting, I can generally do the rest. 30 years ago, you wouldn't be a remote IT guy, would you? You'd have cables in your mouth and you'd be on the floor of the, the room, wouldn't you? But now it's a different world with, you know, with, with, with the digital world we live in. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and many of the things that we take for granted nowadays in radio just were impossible or very, very time-consuming many years ago. I uh, remember in um, the late 1970s, I did an internship at the BBC in Edinburgh, and I remember um, trailing miles of microphone cables around studios, uh, miles and miles of recording tape on the floor at my feet. These are the bits you'd cut out and uh, 
cut fingernails with razor blades and so on. You don't get that with uh, software, audio editing software nowadays, do you? Because if, if people under 40, they don't know where the term on the cutting room floor, it literally means because there was tape that was cut and didn't made didn't make the program. That's where it comes from. It was a very manual, laborious job. When I started in radio, it was only it was two or three years after tape had gone, so I had to learn software. It was much easier, I think. But the but but the technical aspect of it you love. But how much of it is is the volunteering that you know you 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 love radio. You present programs you have done for decades, but you've chosen to do that in a hospital radio set, setting. You volunteer. You give your time. So much time. How much of that is important? Well, I started off by thinking, well, I enjoy talking about music. I have a very wide taste in music, and uh, it'd be great if I could talk about it on the radio. And and so that was, I suppose, the first motivator for joining. And um, I thought that would be great fun. Um, And it was great fun. But then I think to provide a, a complete service and to make what you do meaningful, you have to understand the people that you are talking to. And as part of joining hospital radio, one of the essential parts for any volunteer was to go into the wards, chat to patients, collect their requests, and come back and have these requests played on their um, the daily request programmes. And it was really at the point that you start going into the wards and speaking to people that you realise how important the radio service is. Because there are two main tenets of hospital radio. The first one is that listening to your favourite music makes you feel better, makes you get better. And it's been scientifically proven by a number of of, uh, academic studies. And the second one is that under normal circumstances, more than 50% of hospital patients don't actually get any visitors. And this was brought home to me by a lady I met in Ninewells Hospital in Dundee. She was uh, a lady in her mid-50s, I think, from New Zealand. And she had arrived in Scotland for a three-week holiday to visit the the country at the other end of the earth where her ancestors had lived before they had emigrated from Scotland to New Zealand. And um, her three-week holiday ended up being a three-month stay in hospital as she took ill fairly early on into her holidays. Now, this was the late 1970s, and... um, international telephone calls to the other side of the world, um, almost half a day difference in time, were next to impossible uh, or very expensive. And so the hospital radio visitors were her friends and family during her stay. She looked forward to being visited uh, twice a week, um, just having a long chat and uh, asking for two or three bits of music to be played on the request programmes. And that's why we're here. That's really what that's really what drives hospital radio. And in my mind, it's the whole purpose. And it's what makes hospital radio stand out and be different from any other radio service. Yeah, because I used to, when I, I was at the BBC, I'd be broadcasting to, you know, millions sometimes. And I was sat in a box. And I, there weren't, these people didn't exist. You know, it was, it was, it was a shame in some ways, and maybe sometimes a relief, because they would have started throwing bananas at me or something. I don't know. But in in terms of your privileges to actually go into the wards and to and to see the people that you're helping and that 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 ability to volunteer but for something that was so in, immediate and tangible must have been brilliant absolutely absolutely and it gives a sense of purpose in in that you have gone into the wards you've spoken to to patients not all patients want to request a lot of people really don't have terribly much interest in music others do um 
And um, there's been more than just a single occasion where an old lady has said, oh, I don't know the title, but I'll hum a bit of it to you. You can. So you're doing a bit of mental Spotify or... or uh, or Shazam, trying to trying to work out exactly what what it was, and then going into the studio and finding it. And my musical taste has been um, enhanced uh, and widened by some of the suggestions that that patients make um, in some of the orthopedic wards. Um, many older people, even now in their seventies and eighties, will be asking for music from the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties. And then you go into some of the the other wards, um, a well-known ward in the, the old Royal Infirmary in Dundee um, was known as the, the sidecar because the side part of that was where all the motorcycle casualties, broken legs and things went. Uh, so you're talking to a very young audience and they'd be asking for current chart music. Um, and so you get a very wide variety. Um, even in the same hour, we, we used to joke that um, where else can you hear... Um, Black Sabbath and Vera Lynn in the same hour on the same radio station. Not many other places. I don't think there's a station at the BBC that would do that because um, they segment their audience very, very strongly, don't they? What does what does volunteering mean to you personally? What does it What does it give you? I mean, it it, it gives you an ability to have this wonderful second life over and above your your, your job working in a you know for, for an ISP. But almost like emotionally, spiritually, what does what does it give you? Because you invest a lot of time in it. So, what, what does it give you back? Um, I do invest a lot of time in it. Um, probably two evenings a week. Uh, one evening doing my programming, and um, another evening um, doing all the other stuff, the IT. Uh, and I'm also trustee and secretary of the charity in Manchester Northern Air Hospital Radio. Um, it it gives me something to fill my time. Um, my wife would probably ask that I, I didn't <laughs> fill my time quite so much with it. Um, you've heard of the phrase golf widow. I think my wife is a hospital radio widow. Um, but then she has her own hobbies too. Um, and it, um, yeah, it, it gives me a sense of purpose, something that I can do in my own time, not just something for me being selfish. It's something that I feel that I'm contributing to the community helping to cheer up people in hospital. Um, we have a catchphrase, um, we're here to make your stay in hospital just that little bit better. And having been a hospital patient, I know how boring hospital can be. And um, by providing a little bit of entertainment, a bit of light relief and an opportunity to speak to somebody or even just listen to the the random chit chat, um, I know it makes a difference from being have, having been a patient myself. And, and uh, I feel it's important to to do that for other people. And you're also a bell ringer, so you, your wife's a bell a bell ringing widow as well as a hospital radio widow. I guess it's a bit louder. Uh, it is a bit louder. Um, it covers the same sort of geographical area, I suppose. Um, you're still broadcasting to thousands. It is broadcasting in a different manner. Um, yes, it's something that's completely different. It's a it's a different hobby. It's not as if I um, watch Netflix or play football or something. It's um, it's 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 niche, it's different. There's a, a lot of learning in it as well, um, as is with hospital radio. So what would you say to somebody, you know, who who's who doesn't volunteer? What what would you say that volunteering gives you? Um and, and, and how would you persuade people to consider it that perhaps aren't at the moment? I think part of it is um, not only viewing it as hard work working for someone else, but it's also 
enjoyable. It is hard work, but I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. I, as I said earlier, I do enjoy talking about music, um, sharing music, finding out new music. Um, I enjoy the satisfaction of sorting out the technical problems, the engineering issues. Um, particularly enjoy training new radio presenters. I have two trainees at Northern Air Hospital Radio right at this moment, um, although one of them is probably no longer a trainee. She started with me in February in, in 2020 and still co-presenting. And my second uh, trainee started in February 2021. Uh, so the three of us produce a programme together and it's great to see them grow and develop. Um, Way back in the, the 1980s, when I lived in Cheltenham, I was a member of the hospital radio station there and uh, trained a group of new presenters, a couple of whom went on to a career in the media, uh, one of whom was a professional radio presenter in Manchester in the uh, 1990s. So, um, yes, I, I, I enjoy sharing what I do with other people. Uh, and I would say, come along, find out, and um, get some enjoyment out of it. Um, and also with a, a sense of purpose. So you can teach other people your passion as well as enjoying it yourself. That sounds like a pretty good advert for it. Well, I'm, I'm a great believer that hospital radio should be good. In many ways, in the 1970s, it was seen as very amateurish, very poor cousin, and there are a number of comedy sketches featuring, featuring hospital radio. But the reality is, in, in, in this decade, if you go into hospital, if you, you or I were to unfortunately end up in hospital, you'd have your phone or your iPod with your favourite playlist on it. And in order to have any listeners to hospital radio, we have to be even better than that. Not just the best music, but also the best commentary and, and, and chit-chat in between. That's the challenge. And we have to be very professional and, and aspiring to a high standard for me is very important, simply because otherwise we would have no listeners and then there'd be no point in doing it. That's all for today. If you like the podcast, please subscribe in your podcast app. And if you have time, give us a review. If you have a suggestion or question, get in touch on Twitter at TalkTalkGroup. You can follow us there or also on LinkedIn. Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>